I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Vasavi Kumar is a former TV host, licensed therapist, voiceover artist, and creator of the Say It Out Loud Safe Haven, an online support community. She's also the author of Say It Out Loud. As a first-generation Indian immigrant raised on Long Island, New York, Vasavi has relentlessly searched to find her own voice, access the freedom of her creative spirit, and help others along the way out loud. When she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 19, she made it her mission to understand how her mind works, starting with making room to hear herself think. Her mission is to share everything, the good, bad, and ugly, in order to teach a more mindful, practical, and simple way of running every aspect of your life. Through her podcast, Say It Out Loud, keynote talks, group programs, social media, and weekly newsletter, Vasavi has taught thousands of entrepreneurs, creatives, and artists from all walks of life how to work through any situation by saying it out loud. Most recently, she was featured on the May cover of Austin Woman magazine and has been featured on VH1, NBC, Fox, Good Day Austin, Wall Street Journal, and much, much more. So please welcome to the show, Vasavi. Hi, Makini. Oh my God. I need to shorten the heck out of my bio is what I was thinking. I go, you know what? Nobody needs to be reading that much about me. I, I literally, after this interview, I'm not even kidding. I'm, I'm going to bring my bio down to three sentences. And that's it. That is my mission. So anyway, thank you for having me here. I was like, can't you please stop reading about me? I want to talk. Why is she reading about me? I was like, oh, wait, I sent her a long ass bio. So here we go. Okay. I love it. I love, yeah. you know, I get multiple reactions when people hear their, their bios. It's either, wow, like I did all that. Or it's, wow, that was way too long. Yeah. 
Like nobody cares. They'll go to my website if they want. Like I'm totally like, do I ever want to sit through reading hearing anyone's bio? Absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> nope. You can go to my website, which you're all going to do. So it's like it's all good. Yeah. What I I love first of all is your personality. Your energy is just beautiful. Like I probably started the morning on the wrong side of the bed, and you just totally shifted my vibration. So thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I can't even I love, receive that. I, I say thank you back to you. I meant I should have said you're welcome. I told you I'm in a season of receiving. You tell me thank you and I say thank you back to you. What the fuck? I'm supposed to be saying you're welcome. This is why we need to learn how to receive. I can't even say thank you. I can't even receive a thank you. I say thank you for telling me thank you. Jesus Christ. Sorry, I didn't mean to say the, the Lord's name in vain. But After we just did a beautiful prayer. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, let's start over. We're starting over. Let's go. <laughs> oh, we're fine. We're fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so before we sum up your healing journey and give the tools and everything that you learned from it, I love to start at the very beginning and get to know who you were at the very beginning because I feel like many of us are walking around as adults with child like trauma responses from our childhood wounds and childhood traumas and things that we didn't uh, deal with or address or maybe things that we wanted to be and society limited us or our families unintentionally. So I love to get the backstory before we get to the present. So I would love to know not only like, what did you want to be as a little girl, but what were you like as a teenager? So I want to start with who I was as a little girl. I was so magical. I still am. You know, I was this bubbly girl. I was so cute. I had little cute black tendrils, like naturally curly hair, <laughs> you know, and I had like the, the rosiest cheeks and the pinkest lips and the little chai, the, the, my thighs, I had knobby knees. So my knees went inward. And I, you know, I was just, you know, I always loved to play in the flowers. I used to sing Baba Black Sheep, like in the cute. I was so adorable as a child. I was so, I was, I, I was such a happy child. My mother was like, you rarely cried. She said, you were just so happy and just loved making people smile. Um, that's truly who I was as a kid. I want to just share, this is the first time I've ever spoken about myself in this way in an interview. Whenever people... <laughs> It's true. Whenever people say, like, take me back to the beginning, I'm not kidding, McKinney. For the past 11 years, I've been, you know, giving interviews and stuff. My story pretty much has always started off with, well, I grew up in an all white town as a first generation Indian immigrant. My parents were really hard on me. And then, you know, I started smoking at the age of 12. That was the way I spoke about my childhood. And I truly do believe it is the work that I have done, mastering my self-talk, healing the voices in my head. Like, I was like, shit, did I just say that about myself? Like, yes, because the story, how I view my childhood and me has shifted. I, I don't take away from what I've been through. It was hard growing up in an all white town and being very acutely um, you know, made aware of that I was brown like doo-doo, right? That's oh, wow. what Gregory, Gregory said to me in the sand, sandbox. I was made acutely aware at what, four or five years old you're in kindergarten of how different I was. Um, I can tell you that story. I can also tell you that I, I desperately wanted to fit in. And at 12, I, you know, I, I smoked my first cigarette at 12. It took me 27 years to stop smoking. You know, I wow. just stopped smoking almost two years ago. Um, I can also share that, you know, my parents who are for, um, Indian immigrants, they are two of the most generous people that I know, hardest working. Um, but, what they didn't teach me was how to really stand up and ask for what I want. You know, mm -hmm. um, my mother was quite vocal. I mean, she still is. She's a fiery woman. She'll live till she's like 113. God bless her soul. But you know, she's, she stands up for what she wants. She does not back down. She's the one that's like, 
no, you, you owe me this money. Like, no, I mean, she will, she will, she will not. And, and she just doesn't give up. She's a fighter. My father, who I often felt like emotionally take care of as a young girl, he's a, um, he's a kind man, really kind, no boundaries, no boundaries, mm. just gave up, gave of himself. Um, for me, what that was like, I'm the youngest of two. I have an older sister who's four years older than me. I just wanted the family to feel safe at home. And I, it was very chaotic growing up. I used a lot of humor to deflect. I used my person, you, you know, you know, one of the things you said to me right before we, we got on here, I think you might've said it in the beginning is boss. I love your personality. I want to say this to your audience. I've worked very hard on having the personality that I have. It's very genuine. It's very me, but I had to learn how to develop this personality so I could dissipate the anxiety and the chaos and the tension in the room. This personality is a trauma response. It's worked for me. It's real. I mean, I get what I want in my life. I attract the things that I want because of my personality. And it's not just that. Obviously, I'm a person of integrity. I'm kind. I'm generous. I give a shit. I have emotional intelligence. I'm skilled. All those other things. But, you know, I, I had to work. I had to learn very quickly how to survive in chaotic households, uh, mm -hmm. in my chaotic household. So I used humor um, to deflect. And I also became the scapegoat because I felt like, well, if you're all are yelling at me and you're getting angry with me, then at least you two are not fighting. You guys can be in unison about something. So I took one for the team. I did. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't mind getting in trouble. I would, I would do things that I knew would get me in trouble because at least if they're both yelling at me and they're not yelling at each other, that's okay. I can take that. So I really, from a young age, um, I felt this, um, I was toxically responsible. I became a toxic, responsible person. Let me say what that means, okay? It's like um, you learn not to trust people around you that they can't. They're not. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be there for you, and that they have their own shit to deal with, and you can't emotionally rely on them. So you become toxically responsible. What that means is, I took responsibility for everything, even stuff that wasn't my fault. I would just take it on because you know what? I would rather. I would rather just do it myself and exhaust myself. And this is emotionally, this is at work. This is in relationships, emotionally bearing the burden. I would rather take that responsibility than be let down once again. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's where the healing comes in. That's where learning to master those voices in your head that tell you that you need to be that way. Or, you know, reconnecting with your body where we store our trauma and our suppressed emotions. That's where this work comes in. So, you know, who I am today is someone I, I I do not feel like it's my responsibility to manage other people. I will just show up in my kindest, most authentic self and take it or leave it. That's who I am. Wow. Okay. So you as a child taking on a lot of that responsibility and I guess your trauma response, um, helping you to survive during that time. I'm just thinking, so I had a conversation with a girlfriend last night, brown woman as well, who very much did the same thing as a child. And she's realizing now that all of those childhood things that she did to survive is actually hurting her now as an adult. So I guess my question to you is, as a licensed therapist, what advice would you give to another woman listening that has basically made themselves the shield um, mm -hmm. for their parents as a child that's now, I guess, on their healing journey and realizing that that's not working for them presently? That's a great question. So I would start by exploring other parts of you. Here's what I mean. When I first started, you know, writing my book, say it out loud, I was a very rigid, harsh person with myself and with others, you know, with mostly the men in my life. And 
I know that that's not who I am. I know that I, I'm not just this rigid cutthroat. I'm going to say it like I say it like it is with no empathy. That's not who I am. I am. I will cry at an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, especially the one where Will's father <laughs> came back and he let him down. Like I'm soft mm-hmm. as they come. I am jello. And my tough exterior, my rough exterior, my humor is like, you can't touch me as long as I'm freaking in your face. You can't get close to me. And the writing of my book, has really softened me. And I want to say to the your girlfriend who you had this conversation with, please tell her this is for her and anyone else listening is you got to be willing to explore the parts of you that are tender to the touch, right? So for me, Makini, showing my showing a softer side of me has always been like a no, no, I will not. You, The only people who see the soft side of me are maybe back in the day would be the men that I was with. And even then it was really toxic and a very few women in my life and my dog. I have a golden retriever. I'm not kidding. It was very limited who got to see the soft side of me, right? Because softness in my mind meant it, I was weak. You're going to mm-hmm. see me as weak, but it also was really boiled down to the fact that I didn't know how to keep a boundary. I didn't know how to set or keep a boundary. So I didn't have trust in myself to lead with softness. So I want to make that very clear. This is not about other people. It's never about other people, y'all. Other people live in your head. Just remember that. Uh, There's always going to be other people. The other Mm -hmm. people are the people in your head. Who are the people living in your head, you know? And that way we can come back to ourselves and be like, whose voice is this? Whose voice is that? We don't blame. We can go back to childhood. As as a licensed therapist, I'm saying this. You could spend a lot of time analyzing the hell out of your childhood. Or you can be like, okay, I see this connection. I see where it came from. Okay, cool. What are we going to do about it today? Yeah, And this is, this is why I want, I want to say to your friend, start exploring other parts of yourself that are tender to the touch. Maybe you need to start taking some unchoreographed dance classes. Maybe you need to maybe take an acting class. I, acting really saved my life. I learned how to channel different sides of myself. Do you know that I can be quite seductive? I didn't know that. I'm sexy <laughs> as hell. I am so sexy that I'm like, damn, I learned that through acting. I got back in touch with this part of myself that I had disowned because, you know, in the Indian culture, we're suppressed. I mean, we have over a billion people. Somebody's having sex, but we don't talk about it. We don't own our we don't own our sexuality unless you're in the movies, you know, on the movie screen. So I gave myself a year through this writing process. You know, obviously, when you write a book, you really have to start to embody what you're preaching. And I, I was forced yeah. to look at the sides of myself that needed some softening, man. Like it was just it's hard being hard all the time. It's hard being hard. I don't want to be hard. I want to be soft. So whatever your shield is, right? If you know that you lead with humor all the time, like you lead with jokes all the time, everything's a joke to you. Like I would ask, why am I so sad that I need to be funny all the time? Mm. What am I so sad about? You know, because like, you know, when you're using humor, cause it's like you're witty and it's funny, you know, when you're just trying to shift the energy, oh, I want to lighten things up. Do you really, or are you just uncomfortable with what's occurring in the moment? That's where the right. work is. Right. Right. So I I would invite everyone listening to try different creative outlets to bring those parts of you that are dormant alive. And to do that, you've got to learn to talk to those parts of yourself that are living in resistance, that playful part of you, that part of you that that um, that's goofy and and awkward. I'm awkward as hell. Are you kidding me? Like part of that's kind of quirky. You know what I mean? Like, what are the parts of you that you don't allow to come out to play? You know, you can't just mm-hmm. lean with one part of you all the time. You know, you, you got to allow yourself to have that range. Otherwise, you're going to feel very limited. This is why people get depressed. This is why people just get agitated because they're just being one way all the time. And there are so many other parts of you that are dormant. 
or that you've disowned. So you'll feel more alive and and, and really feel like you're coming to life when you allow those other parts of you to come alive. That is great advice. Definitely great advice. I'm going to share this episode with her for sure. What I wanted to get into, well, there's a couple of things I want to get into. So one, you mentioned the book a couple of times. So by the time this episode comes out, the book should be out so everyone can go and grab a copy of Say It Out Loud. So Lisa Nichols wrote the foreword for your book. She basically put her stamp of approval on this book. So two things. One, I already think you're a fabulous human being. But two, I'm a huge fan of Lisa Nichols. Yes. So <laughs> we have the same have, birthday. Uh, we have the same birthday. Really? I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I had watched the documentary, The Secret, in like 2009 when I was going through my divorce, and I wasn't prepared for it at the time. So I watched it and kind of brushed it off. You know, I understood like the vision boards and stuff like that. But I realized maybe after watching that and I started my personal development journey that there were few women of color in the space doing that this kind of work. So years after, maybe 2013, is when I met Bob Proctor and he became my mentor personally. So I had the beauty of being connected and, and learning from him. But I've always looked up to Lisa. I've messaged her and let her know that. I saw her at an event, spoke to her and told her how much her being in this space meant to me. So you took one of her courses, was that in 2011? I, I was in the first cohort of her year-long mastermind, Global Leadership Program. I was the first cohort of people to be in that year-long program. Okay, so what inspired you to take that leap of faith? I was at a conference in Dallas, eWomen Network, and one of the speakers was Lisa. And I sat down and she came on stage and I, you know, I loved her from the get-go just because her personality is bold and this. And then, you know, I resonate with that. Man, but I was like, every word, I didn't even pay attention to what she was saying. I just know how I felt when I'm, I was around her. Yes, she's a masterful speaker, but it's like, she just made me feel like I could do anything. She unlocked that part of me that always knew I was limitless, but she like spoke life into it. I didn't have the words to make sense out of the feeling and the desire to be this person and this person for myself and this person for other people, it felt grandiose at the time. But seeing her on stage saying that it's possible no matter what and that and that your story, whatever you're going through, is literally the thing, I was like, I'm like, oh, I can do something with this pain. I wanted mm-hmm. to do something with my pain. It was unbearable. And mind you, at that time, I had... I had been, I was newly married. I'd been a coach for about a year, I think. Yes, a year until I met Lisa. Um, And I was hooked because she had no problem sharing her story. It was the first time I heard that. I was like, she can do it. I can do it. You know? Right. Yeah. Love it. I love her. She, she, she really taught me that kindness and honesty, like honesty without kindness is just brutality. You know what I mean? So it's taken a while. I mean, this is where self-talk really comes in. She's the one that coined me as bipolar and brilliant. She's the one that said, you're bipolar and brilliant. I even, I had a, she was like, I mean, she, I I will say she's my first and only ever mentor. I've had other teachers, but she's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. She's the best. She is, she is an amazing human being. I, I think I'm, when she got married last year, I was so happy for her. I felt, I felt that joy, like 
like I was the one getting married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, watching her journey over the years and everything that she's been through. But anyway, the show is not about her. This is about you. No, so. but she's great. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I love her. Yeah. I'll send her this send her this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was your motivation behind writing your book? Like what inspired you to say, you know what, I'm gonna put this into a book? Well, if I'm going to be honest with you, the first uh, round of my book proposal got rejected seven times. Uh, I wrote my book proposal during a breakup. And my proposal was all about how women don't need men, and they need to be self sufficient, and screw men and this and that. And it got rejected seven times. And then I was doing an IG live with someone. And a woman, an agent saw me on this live. And Wendy Sherman is her name, who, my agent now. And Wendy Sherman was like, who is this woman, Vasavi? And my friend, mutual friend, she goes, yeah, you rejected her proposal. So my initial book proposal, which was about women should just be independent and not need men, was rejected by Wendy Sherman, my agent. But Wendy Sherman heard me speak on an IG live. And she goes, who is that? She, had, she didn't put two and two together, that I was the same woman that... She rejected. So thank God I say it out loud. She she saw me. She goes, I need to work with her. I love her personality. I love her message. She heard me say on that IG live when I was asked the question, do you journal? And I said, I don't journal. I say it out loud. And my my agent heard me. My, my soon to be agent had heard me. And she we set up a call. And she goes, I want to pitch this idea of saying it out loud to a publishing house. So she did. We went to New World Library. By the way, this is never, this never happens. An author is supposed to come ready with the topic. We created my topic together. And the editor was like, how do you talk to yourself? And I go, well, there are many different voices inside of us. There's so many different voices inside of us. So every chapter in my book teaches you how to talk to the different voices in your head, the voice of resistance, when the, that voice inside of you that gets irritable and that gets triggered, you know, when we get stuck in emotional perfectionism, we don't want to allow ourselves to feel irritable because as women, we have to always be happy and on all the time. So I teach the reader, literally, I give you scripts on how to talk to yourself. What inspired me to write this book is when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at 19, bipolar disorder one, uh, where I experience not as much anymore, because it's very ma well managed. I've had to learn a lot to manage my mind and my lifestyle. Um, when you feel manic, you know, it's it used to be called manic depression, right? So mania is characterized by a lot of racing thoughts. And at the time, I just thought, you know, I'm just fast. I'm just fast all the time. And, you know, when they put a label to it, I started becoming acutely aware of my thoughts. And I realized they came so fast. And because they were so fast, I couldn't feel myself. I couldn't listen to myself. And I was very impulsive as a child and in my 20s and even my early 30s. That landed me in a lot of trouble. But I had to learn how to slow my mind down. And I did that by addressing each of my thoughts. Each of my thoughts came from different parts of me that were needing my attention. So I was inspired to write this book and, and I feel very strongly about it because whether you have a mental illness diagnosis or anything, we could all learn to be kinder to ourselves, slow down in our minds, get out of our heads and into our bodies. So I'm like, I'm kind of the perfect person to write this. You know, I've, I've given this mental illness a diagnosis label that has forced me to have to slow my mind down and, 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 and discern between all the different voices in my head. I trust myself more than most people who haven't been given a diagnosis. It's kind of interesting, actually. So honestly, the pain that we've been given, the, the stuff that we've been given just primes us to be warriors in that area, you know? Yeah. So there's three things that you said that I wanted to highlight and, and unpack a little bit. 
Um, the first one was when you talked about how many times your book was rejected by publishers. So one by agents, by agents, I couldn't even get rid of yeah. but by agents. So the one reason why I want to unpack that is partially because of the other business that I do helping women to publish. But I feel like so many people, because the publishing world, traditional publishing world will accept like maybe 1% of the manuscripts that come to them based on, you know, what they think is relevant at the time or what their angle or viewpoint is. Mind you, there are so many amazing books and stories out there that need to be published. So I wanted to speak to that because I feel like some people will stop at that point and quit and think that it's not good enough. And sometimes it has nothing to actually do with you. It's just either meeting the right person or the right agent or, you know, the right company or the right assistance to self-publish, whatever it is. I wanted to, to speak to that because I feel like no matter how many times I've spoken to women who have pitched their stuff to publishers and it's been rejected, thank God they still went forward and put their book out into the world because the message was needed and it made a huge impact. So I wanted to highlight that point. And then two, if you are okay with it, because you you spoke about the, the different chapters in your book and I love the chapter names of speaking things out loud. Are you okay if I read like the names of a couple of the chapters? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So some of the chapter names are admitted out loud, transform your story out loud, ask your intuition out loud, own your flaws out loud, choose yourself out loud, desire and decide out loud. Like I, I love the chapter names. It just makes me more like excited <laughs> to read yeah. what's inside. When it came to the chapter names, before I get to my, my, my third part of what I wanted to unpack, like I know that when you're writing the chapter names, part of the creative process, I've, I have five books out and I know that each of them, like when you're writing chapter names, obviously there's significance to it. So when you were writing the chapter names for these chapters, especially because you're trying to get a particular message out to the readers, like how did you decide on or land on each chapter being about a specific thing and then saying it out loud? Does that make sense? I'm going to say the one question that I asked myself as I went through each chapter, and this process helped me with the chapter naming, which quotes I was, you know, what pull quotes we were doing, what stories, every single step of the way, I'm going to curse. I kept asking myself, what the fuck am I trying to say right now? <laughs> what the fuck is the point of this paragraph? What the hell is the point of this exercise? And I didn't say it in a mean way. It was like, it helped my brain cut the fat. My yeah. titles are not something I don't want the act of loving yourself to be more complicated than it has to be that then yeah. you believe it is. You are not complicated to love. That's why my shit is simple. I don't use big flowery language. I'm literally like, this is it. Do this because yeah. we have been brainwashed to think that we are difficult to love. We need to spend immense amount of money and alter our freaking bodies and faces to be lovable. No, my chapter is going to tell you exactly what you're doing. This yeah. is it. No more like confusion. You don't stop being confused. Stop. Yeah. You don't need to be confused. I That's love some it. insecure shit. We don't need to be so insecure. Like yeah. what the heck? We know we got to cut out all the noise. So I do, I embody that. I want, I give you simple scripts how to talk to yourself. Literally, we were not, listen, you got to understand the way you speak to yourself. is like, if this, if it doesn't feel good, the way you talk to you, first of all, if you're not aware of it, please get my book. If you're not even aware of how you talk to yourself, please get my book. But if you are aware of your self-talk and you don't think that 
every tone, inflection, volume, and pitch, you don't think that affects you and the energy in your body, you are sadly mistaken. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes I'll say to myself, come on, Vasavi, let's go. You know, I, I have that, but I have trust with myself. If I say, or like, you know, I'm being lazy sometimes. And I know that. And I'm like, Vas, get your ass up. And I'll say that to myself, but I have trust with myself. So that's why I can handle delivery from people. I've been coached by some of the best. And sometimes the delivery of my coaches, you know, it may be, you know, and Lisa Nichols used to say that sometimes the best gifts are wrapped in sandpaper. I can handle the delivery and feedback from other people because I'm tough. And I can, I trust myself when I'm, I'm tough with myself, but I'm also kind. So I'm not just tough love with myself all the time. Absolutely not. I'm pro- I'm very understanding with myself. <laughs> no, I'm really, and you know what? I'm in a season of where I'm super understanding with myself because I'm really getting into these deeper layers with my inner child. Like it's, it's really like, it's beautiful. Like I'm starting to remember being in the womb, like my mother's womb. Like I can almost feel it from the beginning. Like I'm starting to get there. I feel that. So I'm, I tread lightly with myself. That doesn't mean I'm afraid. I'm extra kind to myself these days. Mm-hmm. I really am. So it changes though. Different, you know, in the summer, this few months ago, I gained some weight. I gained some cushion and I'm like, okay, we're not liking this. I love myself. And it's summertime. Let's go. Like I wanted to just shed the heaviness. It was all a lot of emotional weight. I kicked my ass. I went to boot camp five days a week. I was so happy I did that. I was, I love that. So that's, but now I'm in a season of I'm chilling most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hot, hot girl summer prep begins in March. Okay. Mid March. <laughs> all right. So my point is, it's like, you have fun. You gotta have fun with yourself. You, yeah. you gotta realize that you're building a relationship with yourself. Keep it keep it, keep it easy. Keep it simple with yourself. Like know what works for you, right? Like do what works for you. And so tying this back to my writing, I wanted to show that through my writing. I didn't want stuff to be complicated. You don't need a journal. You don't even need a pen to go through my book. If you want to take notes, fine. You literally go to the exercises that I'm just having you use your voice. Talk to yourself. You know, this is the alternative guide to journaling. So, okay. So what are some simple things that you would tell a woman listening about how to choose herself out loud? Okay. So choose herself out loud. Here's what I would say. Like, if you want something like say it, like say, I really want this and then take the action, like tell someone else, all right. You got to tell someone else, have some accountability, but if you don't have somebody else, listen, you got to keep your promises to yourself. So let's just say you have nobody around you and that's, so that's, that's fine. You got to keep, you are a person too. You got to keep promises to you. I would say, choose something that you want to do. And then I would say, ask myself, who can help me with this? Or what's the next best step? What's the next best step? And take that next best step. That's it. Mm -hmm. Literally, like, that's it. You know, I knew like choosing yourself can look like anything. It can look like I'm going to invest in in this program. Choosing yourself can be like, you know what? I got to, I got to spend this weekend really unplugging. Okay, great. Next best step. Block it out on your calendar. Let your family, friends know whoever needs to know, like get it on the calendar, plan what you're going to do. Like put some life into it, put some life mm-hmm. back into your life. Like, when did you stop living? Like that? And, and, and that is a question I had to ask myself, you know, I'm four years sober as of March, March, 2023, um, March 27th, I'll be four years sober from cocaine. I went to rehab twice. And um, as Lisa Nichols always say, I'm not a, I'm not a smart, no, she's I'm not a fast learner. I'm a thorough learner. No, I'm not a slow <laughs> learner. I'm a thorough learner. And I always say, that's why I had to go back to rehab twice to really make the lessons stick. Oh, boss, you probably should stop putting that shit up your nose. It's destroying your life. So for context, I'm not just here preaching from the mountaintops because I have a mic right. in my hand. It's because I know what it feels like to f- hate my life and hate myself. Right. 
and have no connection or barely any with God. And I just like, now that I'm in a place where I'm like, no, I'm going to soak up every little bit of life. Every day that I'm awake is a, is a beautiful day. I don't care like, oh, cool. I have five podcast interviews today. That does not make my life great. What makes my life great is that I'm up and I, I don't have a hangover and I haven't done anything stupid and I'm just <laughs> alive and my parents are happy and everyone's going okay. And you know, you know what I mean? Like great gratitude for just being alive. If we yeah. can start there and then we apply that to ourselves, all the little parts of us, you know, just imagine how we would feel. Yeah. I love it. And so yeah. you spoke, so you spoke to, I think you mentioned your divorce earlier and you spoke to just now about your recovery journey. So what are some main things that have been extremely helpful to you on your healing journey in, in coping with those things? Okay. So obviously I'm always going to say self-talk. It's how I talk to myself and I talk to, I live alone. So for context, I live alone. <laughs> so I don't keep a lot of things in my head because I don't need to. And I don't, I like to keep my mind and my creative channel clear. So it, you know, when, as I was getting ready for this interview with you, I had like three things that I had to handle. And in my mind, it was like, oh, I started to feel, I my body started to feel anxious. And I literally said, I love Vas, get it together. You have like a two hour window after this interview with McKinney, you'll get your stuff done. When I start to feel that way and it's like, oh, and then your mind starts to spiral. That is when I, I, the voice of reason, I, the voice of God. And I say, Vas, I, and I always refer to myself because, you know, there's just something about the sound of your name. It just soothes you. I go, Voss, get it together. And I love that when I say that, Voss, get it together. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do, do what I got to do. I get anxious. I have, a, uh, I have a tendency to get anxious if I got stuff that I need to do and I, I, I haven't built in the pockets of time, you know? So that's one thing is definitely my self-talk. Second thing is movement. Find a way to move that feels good. This is all stuff that I think um, we know, but I, we need to hear it again. Um, and number three, I would say, Honestly, you want to know what's been really healing? I cook every meal for myself. I cook nice. every meal and I played it with such love and I played it with such self-expression. I made this beautiful recipe of scored cast iron zucchini and I made a Greek yogurt and feta and, and mint and lemon and garlic sauce. I plated it like it was like a five-star restaurant and I do that. That's been healing for me. And you know, if you don't want to cook, that's fine. But the act of what is my way of loving myself has always been food plating. I went to culinary school too. You know, my father always cooked for us. My mom, no matter how busy she was as a cardiologist, she always cooked. Man, I will fly home to Philly just to get my mom's food. I haven't eaten Indian food like home cooked uh, since last March because I oh, will wow. not go. I won't. I'll just go. I'm going home this in a few months. I'm gonna eat. I'll stuff my face for five days and I'll come back. It's all good. <laughs> Yeah. I, I just, it. I, you know, as, as a recovering addict, I tried, you know, I'm just like, I'll just binge, I'll binge the food and come back. I, I can't be addicted to anything, you know, and no, I'm just joking. But yeah, so it's so many things, right? And I, here's the thing, I'll share what works for you. It's standing in front of the mirror every day. It's looking at myself naked. It's looking at my self-talk that I have with my body. That's been huge. I stand in front of the mirror every single day and I look at my self-talk. What, how do I really feel? Oh man, your, your belly's gotten fat. Oh, look at that. Oh my God. You got to shave your bikini line. I say those things out loud. And I say that because I, then I get to heal those voices out loud and I'll say, Voss, your bikini line is fine. Soak in the tub and shave, shave your pussy. Like do it. Like what the hell? You know, it's like, why are you being so mean to yourself? It's those, I'm telling you, I want everyone hearing this. It's those types of things. It's so deeply embedded. Those little comments, those little mean comments that you make, say them out loud. Yeah. So that has really helped me on my healing journey, my relationship to my body. You know, when I haven't shaved in a few days, I'll be like, "Ugh, you look gross. 
must shave your legs. You're unattractive. Oh, you haven't shaved your legs. Oh, that must mean you're, you know, or, or you're letting yourself go. We have so, so many stories about things. Oh, if you're hairy, mm-hmm. it must mean that you're, you're just obviously not getting laid or whatever it is, like whatever you're telling yourself. And if you're not actually speaking those out loud, but they're there inside of you, they're running the show. That, mm-hmm. that, that's the re- those are the voices that you're, you, that's why you're afraid to be visible. That's mm-hmm. why you're afraid to get on camera because you've been telling yourself, you look fat. You got that blemish on your face. Uh, your hair is thinning. Whatever the hell you're telling yourself. You don't think that that affects you wanting to get on stage or, or your confidence to say yes right. to opportunities and going into rooms that you don't think you belong. I belong in every room. If I'm in a room, mm-hmm. I belong there. Right. If, I'm, if I've been invited to go to a room, it's because I belong there. Period. Right. And I, I take that back. I don't belong in every room. Trust me. But I trust in God that if I'm invited to be in a room, I belong there. There's no question. Right. Right. So these are just some of the things that I've that I've done. But it's it's about knowing yourself. Find out what works for you. Find out what works for you. Yeah. But yeah. but talk to yourself. It's like you're literally building a relationship with yourself. Imagine you just started dating someone. Oh my God. You know how we get. Oh my God, tell me everything about you. I love you. Yeah, why can't you do that with yourself? I agree. Why can't you be delighted with yourself? I agree. We spend a lot of time getting to know other people, understanding their likes and dislikes, understanding their voice, their facial expressions. But a lot of people don't invest that same amount of time getting to know themselves. So I totally agree. Yes. Uh, you, You speak so openly about... Um, your bipolar diagnosis, about your addictions, about your divorce, about all areas of your life. And obviously, I know as someone who is in this space, it helps other people, obviously. But like, what inspires you most about what you do now? And obviously, the evolution of who Vasavi is. I'm going to answer this in a way that is just just what wants to come out of my mouth. But like, I no longer doubt it. I just trust if it's here, God wants it to be here. We're going to use it to help. And that's it. I just, I have to do that because otherwise my head, my pride gets in the way. Oh, cool. This is what we're dealing with. Cool. Let's share it. Maybe the people will, will need it. Need it. I'm no longer like Vasavi. I'm Vasavi Kumar with identity, but I just feel like, okay, cool. Let me just be obedient. If I hear something, if I hear a message, say Vasavi, talk about this. I'm going to talk about it. I'm just not going to question it anymore. Oh, this is occurring in my life right now. I got, I got some like annoying news yesterday. Okay. I got some annoying news yesterday and it really put me, like, I started spiraling just a little bit. And I was just like, nope, we do not know what's the worst thing that can happen. And I played out the tape and I go, would you be able to live? And I said, yes. Would you, would you be upset? Yes. Would you get past it? Yes. I get, I'll be fine. You know? So I don't let these little external things throw me off anymore because like, I want to say this about me, but I want to say this about everyone listening and you include, we're all here trying to do some good work in the world. I don't have time to, for the bullshit from me. Mm-hmm. I already have to deal with the bullshit from around all around me right? I'm not going to be the person to give my, give myself more bullshit than what I'm already dealing with. Yeah. So it's just very clear. Like it's clear, like this is what I am here to do. Telling my story is no longer a, oh, should I? No, this is literally my job. I am here as a servant of God. And this is what I'm here to do. I made mistakes. I bounced back up from it. My job is to make sure my fellow children of God, brothers and sisters don't suffer. That's it. It's that simple. And what I love about how open you are about it all and what you just said about helping your brothers and sisters not suffer is because I have known many other people that any form of mental health diagnosis, like bipolar, like anything, 
schizophrenia, like they have suffered in silence and then they couldn't handle the pressure. I have a family member who took her own life because she was diagnosed with being bipolar and was told by another family member not to say anything to anyone and she couldn't handle it on her own. So I feel like you being so open, you probably don't even realize how many other lives that you're saving and the level of impact you may not directly see it. Um, So I think it's beautiful that you're so open about all of your experiences and how you use that to help others not suffer in silence. Well, y'all need to know that. Thank you, first of all. And when I was 10, my my dad's brother killed himself. I mean, I, I actually, I dedicated the book to all those who suffer in silence. May this book bring you relief. And in my acknowledgement section, I talk about my uncle, Lakshmi Kumar, who hung himself from a fan. And I just, I when I learned that news, at around, he died when I was 10, but he's killed himself when I was 10. But I found out when I was like 12 or 13, my dad waited to tell me maybe 13 was a little too young. But at that time, I was like, wow, our mind is that powerful? Like who made, you know, what, who attacked him? Like his mind attacked him. And so then, you know, when I was diagnosed with like bipolar disorder, when I was like 19, it's almost like his death saved my life in a way. His suicide saved me because had I not had an example of what could happen if you let your mind, if you didn't manage your mind, who knows, I would have ended my life too, you know, but because he died, he almost he woke me up. So like when I was diagnosed with mental, with a mental illness, like, and I say that in air quotes, I'm not ill. I'm one of the healthiest people I know, actually, (laughs) with bipolar disorder. I was like, Oh, I better understand my mind. Because I don't want to end up like my uncle. And literally, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the day after I got diagnosed, I went to Barnes and Noble, I've read books on bipolar disorder, I, I write about this in my book. So yeah, it's just, I saw, I promised God, if I get out of this hell hole, I promise I'll I'll share it with other people. But I said, you got to help me get through this hellhole. But I had to get mm-hmm. through it. I, I had to do the work. I did. Mm-hmm. So here I am. Wow. And I'm I'm sorry for your loss of your uncle. But I, I see that, you know, our, our pain births our purpose. So I see that you've been able to use that pain and transmute it into something beautiful in the work that you do. And I, I also wanted to speak to, like when you mentioned me, you said um, bipolar diagnosis, air quotes, you know, I wanted to mention earlier when we talk about labels, because sometimes the labels of a diagnosis or a label that someone may give you, whether that be family member, friend, someone, you know, a colleague, peer, what have you, how that affects us and how we choose to move forward with that. Because you had the bipolar diagnosis, but you've chosen to use that as a tool to still serve and help. You didn't take the victim route. You didn't you know what I mean? So here, I, I've definitely been a victim in my life. Let's be real. But I, yes, you're right. I'm. Thank you for saying that. So here's how I look at anything. The human in me suffered a lot. The spirit in me knows, okay, this is for higher good. So yeah, it freaking sucks to be in a hypomanic state and then crash and then want to freaking think I'm the most worthless person. Does it feel good to have the brain that I have? Does it feel good? It's not fun. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. trade it in for anything though, right? Because I love my highs. Uh, My highs actually work for me. You know, when you see that energetic effervescent Vasavi, that shit is a work of God. That is not normal. You know, like that personality, (laughs) like I don't even know who I am in that moment. I'm just like being this. So that I, I love my little manic side, you know, it works for me. It does. But it can feel debilitating when you don't have control over it, right? When you don't know how to harness it and manage it and channel it. That's what I've worked on pretty much my whole life, you know, for at least for the past half my life, if not sooner. 
But so the one part of me that's like, all right, this is the card. These are the cards that I've been dealt. I have this diagnosis. What do we need to do about it to function on a day-to-day basis? That is the logical part of my me. Okay. I can resist it all I want. I can live in denial, but that's not going to get me anywhere. So yeah, I'm getting back on medication. I just saw a psychiatrist a few months ago and it was a whole thing for me in the beginning of this year. And then there's the part of me that is not Vasavi, this mind, not Vasavi, this body, not Vasavi, the memories. And just like this consciousness, this awareness, it's like, okay, it's all part of the divine plan. It's all part of the divine plan, right? So there's a knowingness and a trust. And then there's like, oh shit, we got to handle this though. It's working. Those two have to work together, right? Because then- you know, you don't deal with all the resentment. It's like, oh, I'm mad and I'm in denial. It's like, no, acceptance is a beautiful thing. It is. It takes a long time to get to acceptance. Let me tell you, it's taken me pretty much 15, 16, 17 years to accept my diagnosis. I was on medication off of it, on it, off of it. But because the human in me was so prideful that I was given this label. Why can't I just be smart? Why, why do I have to be given this label? That's, you know, I was, I didn't like it. I, oh no, I'm fine. But when I learned how to really talk to myself in a kinder way, I got really honest with myself. And I said, you work very, very hard to keep the lifestyle that you have, but you could use a little help. And that's when I surrendered to, it's okay if I need to get back on some Western medication. I got prescribed some cannabis. It's been great. Some you know, oil tinctures. I just surrendered to, what do I need to do to keep doing the work that I want to be doing in this world? Because if my, if what is hindering me, if my moods and my, my, my chemical imbalance is getting in the way, what am I going to do to handle that? You know, outside right. of what I'm already doing. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, I feel like we could have like a, to be continued on this episode because I feel like there's so yeah. many more questions I want to ask and I just enjoy your energy. But Thank before you. we go to the final segment, I want you to share with the people where they can stay connected with you online, where they can go and purchase the book, where they can listen to your podcast. Yes. First of all, I'm, I'm a huge, like, listen, I would, I would love it if you were to send me a DM on my Instagram, send me a voice note. Obviously, I love hearing people's voices. I always want to hear people's voices. Find me on Instagram. My name is Vasavi. You can order my book at say it out loud book dot com. Um, you get a bunch of free bonuses to help you feel more confident in your speaking, your storytelling, a few meditations that I've recorded. Um, so you get those bonuses. If you go to say it out loud book.com, uh, feel free when you get your copy of your book, tag it, tag me, uh, use the hashtag say it out loud book and um, tag me. My name is Vasavi. And yeah, I can't wait to, to hear from you. Awesome. So I will have all your links in the detailed section so they don't have to search too far. Thank you so much, Makini. You're welcome. You're welcome. So the final segment of the show is like a rapid fire. You can answer one word, one sentence. If you feel like in your spirit you want to unpack, feel free to go ahead. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Don't keep that shit in. Say it out loud. Love it. Yeah. What's one thing you forgive yourself for? My anger and my temper and the hurtful things Mm -hmm. I've said to my to loved ones and my parents. I forgave myself for that. When was the last time you apologized to someone? I apologized to my dog this morning because I was late in ordering her dog food and I had to eat, feed her an apple and almond butter. And she just gave me this look. And I said, I'm so sorry <laughs> that I, I did. I apologized to my dog. Uh, last time I uh, apologized to a human was yeah maybe like a week ago. Yeah, okay. About something okay. that had happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I know exactly what it was. I was interviewed by a podcast host. I've been on her podcast. It's going to be the second time. Uh, I as soon as I got on, I apologized because she had texted me a few months earlier and I forgot to respond. This is the first thing when I got on, but she was 
gracious enough to have me back on her podcast a second time. First thing we got on, I go, oh my God, first of all, can I just apologize? I realized that I never responded back to you. I'm so sorry. Do you want to talk about that? Whatever. And she was like, oh my God, I didn't even like, I didn't even remember, but it was weighing on my chest. So I apologize. Right. So it clears me up, clears me up, you know? Love it. Love it. Okay. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Say it out loud. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm, I'm kidding. Actually, uh, um, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, what new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? I can just simply receive and say thank you. Love it. Yeah. Wow. Vasavi, honestly, this has been like such a beautiful conversation um, for so many reasons, not just your energy, but your transparency, your authenticity, just the, the nuggets of wisdom that you've given. And I'm definitely looking forward to staying connected. And so you're stuck with me. <laughs> I love thank that. You so much. <laughs> Thanks. I love being wanted. <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely wanted. I will definitely be staying connected. And to all of you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week from around the globe to help us rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular shows. And I want to challenge you this week. I want you to share this episode with at least five people. And you can tag Vasavi at my name is Vasavi. And you can tag myself at the real Mikini Smith. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her. <laughs>